hello, and thanks for tuning into episode 88, the double eights episode of the Eyes Free Sports podcast. My name is Greg Lindbergh. Here on episode 88, our guest is a young man from the San Diego, California area, and he is both a member of the U.S. blind hockey team, as well as a mountain biker. And uh, just now, still in his early 20s, uh, he's already done so many things in his life, in spite of losing his vision really not too long ago. So I think you'll find his story to be pretty interesting and pretty inspiring. So let's go ahead and hit the ice now and get skating with episode 88. Okay, so my guest here on this episode of Eyes Free Sports is Blake Steinica. And uh, Blake is a visually impaired uh, multi-sport adaptive athlete, we should say. Uh, a blind hockey player, member of the U.S. national uh, blind hockey team, as well as a mountain biker. Blake, welcome to Eyes Free Sports. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Awesome. Really appreciate you taking the time uh, to do this. I know you've got uh, quite a story and a lot to, to get into here. So why don't we just kind of start things off with the... Uh, your early years, your childhood, just talk to me about where you were born and, and kind of your formative years. Yeah, definitely. So I grew up in San Diego. I still live in San Diego as it's hard to leave. Sports were a big part of my life growing up. I played baseball, basketball, lacrosse, roller hockey, all into biking and did many, many different kinds of sports. And it was a big part of my life and my identity. And I was always an athlete had many lots of different friends and whatnot through it and definitely a big part of of my childhood and life uh, and have continued to be but there's definitely a big change in sports at the age of 16 for me which we can get into as well gotcha i see and did you have like a favorite sport growing up any any sport in particular that you really enjoyed or thrived in yeah i, I think the sport i played the most was baseball growing up and well yeah base, baseball is like the biggest and then i think what kind of became one of my favorite team sports for sure was hockey and uh, i, I love playing hockey and i as i i guess throughout my teenage years got more and more into mountain biking that's kind of like my my solo sport i was really into but again you know i i just i feel like i did a lot of sports just to hanging out with a lot of people, make friends, and it was just something I I enjoyed doing. Right, right. Very cool. So I know, like you mentioned, at the age of 16, you did have a change in your eyesight. Obviously, that's kind of an age, you know, a lot of kids getting their driver's license, you know, an exciting time. Uh, but in your case, I know it was certainly a challenge if you just kind of want to walk us through your, your journey. Yeah, for sure. So maybe I should have said this at the beginning, but uh, I, I grew up with perfect vision and, you know, at the, at the age of 16, I was diagnosed with a condition called LHON or Labor's Hereditary Optic Neuropathy. And, you know, I, I did just get my uh, driver's license and, in, you know, was in my junior year of high school and I just started noticing slight vision loss in one eye. Thought it was nothing through the course of many, many tests and it was got the diagnosis. And over the course of like my junior and senior year, went through like severe central vision loss. And I I have my blind spot in the middle of my vision where all your super important detail vision and everything is. 
and, but I still have peripheral vision, which I find to be quite helpful for a variety of different sports. And, you know, with, with that, I was in a time when people are kind of setting themselves up for the rest of their life and figuring out what's next, what they're going to do. I was faced with all these doubts of, you know, how am I going to keep up in school? How could I go to college? Could I get a job one day? Would someone want to be in a relationship with me? And a big thing I thought was, you know, I'm, I guess I'm done playing sports. So it was, it was definitely a, uh, a, a time of shock and, uh, initially kind of getting that diagnosis. Right. Definitely understandable. And I'm curious, did you know any other blind and visually impaired individuals, you know, leading up to that point or pretty much nobody? Yeah, I, I would say pretty much nobody. I, I think that a, a disability can seem like a death sentence to independence, which I you know found out it wasn't. And I didn't, I didn't know other people in the blind community. I didn't want to be a part of it. And I, I know I think we we try to sometimes just act like still try to act like we're a sighted person when we aren't and that's okay. And I but I think it was awesome to get reached out to by by people on Facebook, reach out to like my family and stuff that played blind hockey and were bugging me tell me about it and I was like, "No, like I don't think I'd I would want to play some sport with people that have disabilities and blind people are probably like weird or it's probably slow. The game's probably slow and it's not going to be fun. Like these are just the the stereotypes or preconceived notions I had. And there was an event that wasn't too far away. And I was finally like, I'm just going to go check it out. And I, you know, went, checked it out. And I think just to, to finally be in this locker room of other guys that were you know, blind people that I, I was ne- never got to meet or be around before was crazy. Cause I was like, wait a second. Like this seems like a normal locker room, but these guys like deal with the same challenges I do. And it's, and then I, you know, I went and right. played the game and was like, wow, this is feels like the same game I'm used to with the adjustments I needed. And then I hear about like, there's more people like me that played competitively before the vision loss and these opportunities to continue to grow as an athlete and so, you know, it, it was amazing to be introduced to people in the blind community as I didn't have it initially in terms of, pre, I guess, previously before my vision loss, but was so thankful to be quickly introduced to it. And uh, that community is so important, which I, I can, can can share more on. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so kind of speaking of, of blind hockey, so I know you were named to the U.S. blind hockey team, uh, the national team, and I'm just curious what that, that honor meant to you, how you kind of found out, if you want to just walk us through that that experience. Yeah, for sure. So I started playing blind hockey in 2017, and in 2018, uh, the U.S. and Canada felt like the sport grew enough in both countries and decided to select teams to represent their country and play at the international level to try to help grow the sport to more countries. <clears throat> so in 2018, there was a tryout in Chicago as part of the disabled hockey festival that was going on as well. And so I got to try out, got selected on the team and you know, it, it was definitely this surreal and weird feeling to where a little over two years before that, I had my diagnosis and now it's like, 
I'm playing hockey at this higher, higher level than I would have ever dreamed of or been able to do from before my vision loss to where I'm getting to represent my country was definitely a crazy feeling and opportunity. And I think it's amazing to get to now play at this elite level and help get to grow the sport to more countries so that it could become a Paralympic sport. But I think the biggest part of it is to be an example in the blind community and to help get access to the sport to more and more people because it's such an amazing community that's changed my life. Because in in my times in doubt, when, as I mentioned, I, I was like, I'm not sure how I could do all these different things. And blind hockey, first of all, gave me a game that could teach me how to adapt and overcome and build this that mindset and area in life that was more fun so that I could then go apply it to school and work and other things that aren't necessarily the most fun, but you have to do and it's important to to live and thrive as a person who's blind and in and I guess in in the world today. And having this community of people that could show me like I could still do the same thing, just do it a different way that I may not know how to do it, but there's always a way to figure it out and to have like these examples of people that are kind of like elite blind people, I'll, I'll say. It was amazing to kind of get shown the ropes and these life hacks and stuff. I'm just super grateful for the the, the camaraderie. And I think people a lot of times will say like, it's more than just a game for whatever the sport is. And for blind hockey, I, I really feel like that's the case as it's impacted my life in so many ways, uh, getting to play on the U.S. team, being an ambassador for this sport, and it's it's changed my life in, in so many ways. Awesome. Yeah, and I'm so glad you mentioned just kind of how your experiences with blind hockey, with the sports community, the adaptive sports community, has been able to kind of translate over to other areas of your life. And totally, we've talked a lot about that on this podcast, just in terms of the benefits of participating in sports and recreation and what that can do for people as far as their confidence and just so many, so many areas of their lives that that can really impact. Yes. It's, it's the biggest part for sure. (laughs) No doubt. Yeah. Um, so let's get a little deeper into to blind hockey here. So just talk to me about your positions that you played. And I know some of our listeners are pretty familiar with the sport, but for those who may not be as familiar, if you just want to break down kind of the, the different categories of yeah. visual impairment and how those individuals, you know, get to, to play on the ice. Yeah, absolutely. So blind hockey is very similar to ice hockey. The biggest difference is is that we use a puck that's bigger uh you know it's a couple times bigger than a regular puck and thicker it's metal hollow and has ball bearings so it's going to rattle a lot as it moves around the ice and you learn to interpret the different sounds of the puck i like to say as it hits off different things so that you can still track it well and it's also you know bigger and black on white ice so it's high contrast and will move a bit slower due to the heavier weight so that you can see it better based on your level of vision when the puck's closer to you. And then the nets are a foot shorter and the goalies are completely blind or have to be a B1, which I'll explain different vision levels. And the uh, once you get on sides, you have to make one pass before you can shoot. And once that pass is made, 
they ref will blow this electronic whistle indicating that a shot can be made. It just helps control the flow of the game. Uh, one team will wear black jerseys, one will wear yellow just to help with the high contrast. And then we use the B1, B2, B3 vision classifications to where B3 is basically at least legally blind and they have the highest level of vision. B1 is the lowest level of vision, pretty much no vision or some light perception. And then B2s are in between. And B3s with the higher vision tend to play offense. B2s with the lower vision tend to play defense. And at the international level, we play where there can only be 14 points on the ice at one time, which is 1B1 for one point. 2B2s is four points, which would equal five plus that 1B1 point. And then 3B3s, which is nine points. So that adds up to 14 points. And so you have to be mindful of how like you're doing your line changes. And the reason I also say this is because I am a forward and will play one of the wings as I like to try to score. <laughs> and right. the, uh, but I'm a B2. So when I'm out playing B2 on offense, we're able to have a B3 with higher vision on defense, which can be helpful to like conduct things at the point. Uh, and just kind of mix up the strategy of things a bit. And so those are the biggest differences of blind hockey. And, you know, a lot of times when people watch us play, they could, you know, you could show up to the rink and just be like, you know, why why are those people playing with that noisy puck? You know, the game looks so similar. You, you would rarely know that there's people that are blind or visually impaired playing the game. Right. Absolutely. It's such a great example of just some minimal adaptations that can be made to a sport to make it accessible and inclusive. Totally. It's a surprisingly adaptable sport. People think like, oh, hockey so fast, like dangerous. But it's like you all pad it up and you have a stick, which is like a cane. That's also a point of balance. So like you're you're well suited up if if you're going to fall or anything and you have this mobility tool of the stick on like i wouldn't be comfortable running really quickly through a crowd and being able to like quickly make movements when i see people at the last moment but when i'm on skates you have way more control of being able to make fine tune adjustments you know the in hockey like the the ball or the puck stays on the ground and you're in this closed closed area with the boards and like good lighting so it's like there's all these things where it's like, oh wait, I, I guess hockey does work quite quite well to to adapt to the blind community. <laughs> yeah, that's a great comparison. I've never heard that made by anyone else about you know the the hockey stick and the white cane yeah. parallel. But it is you know it's it's not just to to shoot the puck. Obviously, it can be used in a lot of other ways too. For sure. And so I know you did recently compete in this event uh, against the Canadian blind hockey team. And I think, was that back in March? Yeah, it was at the end of March in Toronto. Right. And just talk to me about that experience. I assume that's kind of your most recent blind hockey experience you've had. Yeah, that, that was our most recent event. And first of all, just amazing to get to play in Toronto and get to play at the old Maple Leaf Gardens, where the NHL team, the Maple Leafs, uh, used to play it's been redone and is now a college's rink but just an amazing place to get to play obviously in canada and in toronto just a, a big hockey town 
and we played a three game series against Canada. And I, you know, it was definitely, we, we lost the series and it had its ups and downs for sure. And I think the, a really exciting game was a uh, game two and we tied and then lost in overtime. And it was mm. a very exciting a uh, bit of a back and forth game. And then we were down, I believe down by two in the third period and tied it up. And I feel like it was just amazing for, for on both sides, just to see such a, a good quality competitive game. And I was just proud of, of my teammates with how hard we pushed ourselves, the, the effort we put out, our confidence, our communication. And it was very exciting the uh, three on three overtime was tough. <laughs> it's it's interesting playing three <laughs> on three versus five on five. It's just so much slower, so spread out. And uh, we got a penalty and it goes to four on three. Instead of going to three on two, they add a player to the other team. And then the Canadians scored on that uh, power play that they had. But we were super proud of how we played. And uh, it just... It was also just a great showcase of blind blind hockey and a lot of good uh, peop- exposure from people in the community coming to watch the game. And just for the other love, blind hockey levels or of the tournament that were going on, it was awesome just to see more and more players. There were actually, I believe, eight-ish players that came from Finland, uh, one or two players mm. from England, and just awesome to see more of the international growth and uh, yeah, most other players out there that we'll probably end up seeing on the national team one day. So it, it's just really cool to see that progression and, and be in, in the community of, of blind hockey. Nice. That's awesome. Absolutely. And like you were saying earlier, as far as the Paralympics, obviously we need, you know, the, the more international involvement, uh, the better in order to to really grow the sport worldwide and and get enough countries to buy in. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so do you have any, any personal moments, uh, you know, goals you've scored, anything you want to mention just in terms of your blind hockey achievements and then also in terms of goals, any specific goals within the sport that you have? Yeah. I, I think that maybe probably the first thing that comes to me was the first time that we played Canada in international competition in Canada was Toronto in 2019, I believe it was. And it was super cool to go out and I scored the first goal. It was, you know, j- just a, a cool thing to be like, well, I was the first to score <laughs> against the Canadians while we were in Canada. It was, it, it was a cool moment for sure. And a nice goal. And a video clip I've probably watched way too many times, <laughs> but I, I think it's yep, neat because only steered minute. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's a <laughs> cool moment where I realize like how hard I work for something because it's like, yeah, it was, it was a great pass, a great shot, super well placed. And it's not like, Oh, I'm just like super good at this. And I just show up and I do that. It's like, no, like I've, spent so much so much time and hours in the garage like practicing that shot and so much time training so that that can just be muscle memory when I go out there and it's also just this cool moment to to 
where it's like that's what you work for and it makes the times when you're like working hard towards it and you're like what have you been doing in times during training or trying to play pickup in a sided league when it can just get so frustrating and humiliating you're like what am i even doing this for and then stuff like that it's like it it can mean a lot for sure in terms of goals that i have for kind of growing the game was that what you were asking as well yeah i guess personally and then just in general you know just your your involvement in the sport yeah i i think in general i, I want to keep i want to see the sport continue to grow more and more in the u.s and i know i know there's more more people that were in my situation they grow up playing competitive hockey and their vision loss happens I just want more people to know about the game that they can continue to play. And I also want anybody in the blind community to know that they can play hockey no matter what their skill level is, as I think it's just such an important uh, thing to have in people's lives. And I think, I know it's like really broad, but uh, there are specific ways I'm working to do it, but just in general, just grow the game to more people in the U.S. and then around the world. And, you know, I'm just trying to personally d develop myself as an athlete and want to continue to be, you know, the best blind hockey player I can be. And for for all the, the B2s out there, continue to figure out what's possible and how good we can get as despite our, our level of vision when it comes to hockey. Absolutely. Very well said. I appreciate that. Yeah. So let's move on to mountain biking. So I know it, it sounds like you did, uh, you were into cycling and biking when you were fully sighted, right? Yeah. Did, grew up loving riding bikes, you know, digging dirt jumps and uh, just yep. so, slowly got more and more into mountain biking and trying to figure out the craziest way to, to get down a, a hill or a mountain and Led like digging trails and, and jumps. And right before my vision loss happened, I did one mountain bike race as I, it was something I wanted to get into. And then when my vision loss happened, I thought I was done, done riding. And, you know, through the support of family and friends and good examples in my life, like with many other things was, was kind of realized like, and I could still do it just in a different way. And, you know, slowly relearned how to ride by having a guide that rides in front of me and talks me through the trail. And if it's my level of vision, I like can't see anything helpful to the trail. I can kind of see the person in front of me if they stay like a, a bike length or two in front. And they talk me through different features of the trail, the turn side of the trail to stay on drops jumps whatever it may be and it's been something that i could say literal blood sweat and tears to try to relearn to, to keep riding and it's been quite a journey because i think one of the hardest things of going through vision loss is you can't always do what you want to do when you want to do it and i thought to myself you know if i can ride more trails and more difficult terrain then more people will ride with me because they won't feel like limited and held back by having to take me. We could ride some of the same stuff they're used to. And I think at times I would push things too far or thought I would just could earn the respect of other people by getting better. And, you know, I realized that I, I would never be fast enough, good enough. And more of the point of like, I 
it's never going to be enough when you're trying to earn the respect of other people. And it's about finding the people around you that want to support you in your athletic journey or whatever journey it is, regardless. And, you know, it's finding, you know, like my friend, Eric, who I ride with a lot, he, yeah, he, he accepts that it's different when he rides with me, but it's a different kind of like feeling and enjoyment when I get through a certain obstacle that we both work together to, to ride and figure out how to communicate and talk through. And it's definitely been, yeah, a, a journey to all those points, but something that's taught me a lot of lessons and has again, been something else that teaches me how to adapt and overcome something that's difficult to fall down and get back up quite literally. And I can apply that to other areas in life that aren't as fun and to have that mindset in education and employment in other areas. And yeah, it's, it's been a process. And, uh, about a year ago, I decided to do an enduro mountain bike race, which is basically, uh, there's three downhill trails that are kind of like level of downhill mountain biking, which is just find the craziest way down type thing. And you have to ride three downhills. You only time to the downhills, but you have to pedal up to the start of each. And so me and my friend Eric did that about a year ago. And, you know, it, it was an awesome experience to be a part of. I got 12th out of 12 people. This was just a, a competition against sided riders. And in, in, I, you know, just did it just to be out there. And since racing was something I wanted to get into before my vision loss, I was like, Hey, I'll go back out to the place that I did my first race. And, uh, try this out. I like wrote all the trails that they could have selected it from before just to practice them all. I was like, I know I can do it. I'm just going to do it to be able to achieve it. And, um, just kind of have that experience. And so it, it was a cool thing to do. I, I, you know, I, I personally work in marketing and I got to work in the mountain bike industry for a bit, which was, uh, cool to get to experience that as well. So you know, there's a lot of different things there, but uh, that's kind of a high level of things for my journey with mountain biking. Nice. Nice. Very cool. And do you hope to compete in more mountain biking competitions like that? I I don't know. I, I, I think <laughs> I don't know is, is, is the answer I'm going to go with. Uh, sometimes I, I, sure. I think about doing other things. There's other types of rides, I'll call them that, I could maybe feel more competitive in if it's like a, like there's certain rides that are distance rides through difficult terrain, lots of elevation, more tech, technical downhills. And it feels like that would be a, just an accomplishment to complete. And it's less of like racing. Um, you know, maybe there's becomes more blind mountain bikers out there where we can, go to events and, and race. I, I'm not sure. I, it's something I, I'm always open to exploring and trying to figure out where there's the most value to, to just like have impact in, but who knows? I'll always open to opportunities though. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And obviously tandem biking is, is definitely pretty popular in the blind community, but, uh, you know, something like mountain biking, I feel like it's a whole different animal and 
would be super cool to see, like you're saying, more opportunities out there, maybe even uh, some kind of competition or tournament specifically for visually impaired mountain bikers. Yeah. If there's others out there, hit me up. I'd love to talk more. <laughs> nice. Nice. So let's transition to your education, your career. I know you've kind of touched on it a little bit, but uh, just take me back to, let's start with high school, kind of adapting to, you know, low vision uh, in high school and kind of how you navigated that. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting time going through vision loss. Whenever it happens, it's going to be interesting. But <laughs> the reasons for me was, you know, I was this competitive student and everyone's figuring out where they're going to go to college, what they want to do with the rest of their life. And then I'm like, I don't even know how I can do my homework now or keep up in class. And I was talking with the school administrator and said to them, I'm like, hey, am I, I'm probably going to have to take like easier classes, less classes, and my grades are probably going to suffer, right? And he's like, nope, you're, you should be able to keep up the same grades, be in the same classes. You're just going to have to do things a different way. And I was like, man, like, that's like uh, some tough advice there, but I feel like you're right, but that's going to be really hard. But uh, I trust you. And I, you know, quickly was surrounded by people that could help get me there and you know with the help of tvis or teachers for the vision impaired i you know had to learn all sorts of new technology of cctv magnifiers the jaws screen reader magnification tools i even learned braille and refreshable braille display like i don't use braille but it was good to learn learning all these different things and you know kept up well in high school and finished finished strong and and did well but uh, it was a, a lot of different challenges. Of, there are many different challenges along the way and having to learn all these new types of technology and advocating for myself, figuring out what accommodations I needed. And then when I went to college, it was a whole other experience since you know nobody there really knew me from before my vision loss. And I just had to navigate a lot of different challenges there. And you know, long story short, I did... I, I, it was a very frustrating time in college because the hardest part was not the content. It was making everything accessible and taking all this time dealing with mm -hmm. things that weren't accessible at all or getting certain materials converted and always dealing with new professors and communicating what I needed, not following along in class, having to teach to myself or get my brother to teach it to me at home. And then you know, I end up graduating in three and a half years with my degree in marketing, my minor in Spanish, and I got like a 3.77 GPA and was like, oh, wow, like, I guess I did pretty well. Like, I, I guess I, yeah, it was like, I guess I did well. And the content was not the hard part as making all this stuff accessible. And I realized like technology is like, is, is my biggest frustration and enemy at times, but it's also my best friend. And I realized it was something that I had a knack for and found to be such an important tool and something that I wanted to make an impact in. But that was kind of like at a high level of my experience in, in with education. Right, right. And I, I can definitely agree and, and see your point about that love-hate relationship with technology. Yeah. Certainly when it, when it works, it's great. You know, when it doesn't, it's frustrating and trying to, trying to apply it to certain types of software, obviously content can be a challenge. Uh, yeah. That's, 
I totally agree. <laughs> yep. And was it uh, was it Cal State University you graduated from? Yeah, Cal State University San Marcos, which is in North County, San Diego. Gotcha. Nice. And hey, like you said, three and a half years and that that high GPA. Definitely kudos on that. Yeah, thank you. And then, so as far as your career, so I know you've done a couple things already in your, your early career. If you just want to mention the, the highlights and perhaps what you're doing now. Yeah, for sure. So since graduating, I worked a little bit in software sales and then was like, eh, I don't think sales is for me. And then worked in marketing in the mountain bike industry, which was a good experience as it was, you know, what I thought was like a dream job, but I realized it was a bit of a dream job from before my vision loss and many of my passions and interests had changed. And I kind of came to realize that I love more and more realize I love technology. I want to make a, a difference in the accessibility of technology because I, I think my problem isn't that I can't see it's that I can't do stuff and technology allows me to do stuff so I want to continue to help imp improve that. And I really believe that there needs to be more accessibility in education and employment. And so last year I kind of pivoted things. And I one of the big things I, I did was I on another angle, I, I started my YouTube channel called Adapting Site. And this was just a way for me to use these camera skills that I've gained since when my vision loss first started, I got into using cameras as a way to clearly capture things around me and be able to better see it when I get home and zoom in on my computer and see this detail I couldn't see in person. That turned into me being like, well, what if I get good at this, try to learn other cameras and, you know, got good at videography and photography and decided to start my YouTube channel to help teach vision impaired people about technology and show how I make cameras and content creation accessible. And, you know, through that gained a lot of different opportunities doing accessibility testing and training. And uh, almost a year ago, last June, I, yeah, last June, I, I started doing some contract work with Clusive and went full time last September and have been there since. And Inclusive, it's the world's first e-learning platform built for the blind community to help teach technology, occupational, and career skills, all to help remove barriers to employment. And with the 70% unemployment rate in the blind community, I, I see that a lot of it is a skills gap between the blind and employment, since the technology can be confusing and difficult to learn. There's all these other different occupational skills that you have to know and figure out and navigate and there's not always a great place to learn these things and you know inclusive is here to fill in that gap by providing that training equipping people for employment and it's definitely something i wish i had when my vision loss first happened as i've had to teach myself so many of these things and at inclusive my title is a growth manager so i help with marketing to increase the awareness of inclusive in the blind community. And it's been an amazing way for me to apply my educational and professional background, my lived experience, and just what I have a passion for. And inclusive is a young company and it's exciting to be in on, on it at the start and just share about it with more people 
in 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 the blind community and if, if anyone is is curious to learn learn more you can go to our website www.clusive.io and there you can learn more about us and fill out a form to uh, get more information about enrolling and we can connect with your vocational rehabilitation counselor to help provide our courses so um yeah it's it's been an amazing journey in my career so far and i'm i'm still very young and excited to see all that it will entail and i i appreciate getting to talk about it because i think when sharing about sports and any hobbies for anyone in the blind community I think it's always important to talk about, you know, why we do these things and the importance of achievement, yes, with our sport, but, you know, how is it enriching our lives outside of the rank or the field to, you know, achieve employment and uh, navigate education, whatever it may be. Uh, so I, I appreciate being able to kind of connect both sides of the conversation there. Sure, sure. And I'm just so thrilled to hear about that company and everything they're doing and personally i've you know had a zillion job interviews in my in my life and extremely grateful to be where i currently am but i know you know i've obviously been through it and many others have been through the the challenges of trying to find employment and certainly gainful employment yeah. and kind of the whole accessibility angle that's you know needed in a lot of cases um so really congrats on that that role and really excited to to help promote that company as well awesome yeah thank you so much Alrighty, again we've been chatting with blake steinica uh, from the san diego california area and uh, blake first off thank you so much for your time and uh secondly congrats on all your achievements uh, athletically academically career-wise i think like you were saying before uh, just in terms of the benefits of, of sports and how it can really empower people in their lives. And I think you're, you're a great example of that. Awesome. Yeah. No, thank you so much. I, I appreciate the opportunity getting to share and, and talk about all these different things as they really all connect. And thanks for the work you do to help share these stories to, to more people with your podcast. So lo love what you're doing and, and honored to get to be a part of it. Awesome. I really appreciate that, Blake. Thanks again. No problem. If if anyone wants to connect with me, I can you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh we can share my YouTube channel and links to my LinkedIn and socials in the show notes as well, if that works. Absolutely. Yep. I'll definitely include that so everyone be on the lookout uh, for that info as well. Cool. Sounds good. Alrighty. Thanks again, Blake. Really appreciate it. No problem. Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports.com.